It's India Advent once again, and thank you for tuning in, as always, to the Private Suite Magazine interview series. Today we have on the show Tokyo Wanderer, and it's a project consisting of two people. It's something we don't see all the time in Vaporwave, so this is going to be a kind of interesting interview, getting two sides. Uh, and we'll see how we can manage the conversation. And their names are Nuno and Joao. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, man, what's Thank up? Thank you, man. It's nice being here. <laughs> Not much is up, and it's nice to nice to have you guys back. I think we had a bit of an interview on the Essential uh, Future Funk concert review that I did, but it didn't give you guys a full, you know, a full taste of Tokyo Wanderer. So we thought we'd have you guys back on the show, and also to kind of... Um, do a bit of marketing sort of for your concert that you have coming up in the UK, which we'll be talking about a bit later. Um, so it's it's so nice to be talking to you guys again. Uh, how have you been since we last spoke? Oh, we've been doing great. Like we've been uh, working very hard, like on university, finishing the album. Uh, we have also been uh, organizing things for the London show that you mentioned. Uh, you know, just getting things rolling. We aren't really... We haven't had time to stop. <laughs> yeah, man, it's been great. I, mm-hmm. I think that Toronto show really opened our minds to create more music, and it was really great. And yeah. it's nice to, to talk again to you, man. Well, thanks. Nice to... Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for this. Yeah, man, I'm really happy. I've been working with Nuno for uh, several years, and, and it's really nice to, to be in this project with him. Now officially, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw your some of your videos from back in the day, like the YouTube playthrough kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's you know, it's like you've been a part of this for so long. It's nice to actually have a, a record behind it. Yeah, yeah, it's nice, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been collaborating with him for, for since the first album, Sleepless. Yeah, and and now for the second record. It, we work more and I think I think uh, it represents more the sound that we we imagine in your heads we we can transpose it more to the music mm-hmm so yeah there's a new record that's been completed now I I think right and it's almost done almost done we've we had the point where it was 100% completed now we had to go back to recording one verse for one song that it was kind of, you know, it flopped a little bit, but it's it's on the works, and yeah. Just wasn't sitting right. Yeah, exactly. It's when you're like, okay, this is done, and then you're like, okay, this is done for two months, and then you're like, okay, I need to re-record <laughs> this part, but it, it's, it should be, uh, the whole album should be done again in like a week or two. Sweet. And there's no date for release, if I'm correct is that right yeah we have a date actually <laughs> you do yeah yeah what is it we this are... hasn't been announced yeah this hasn't been announced and i've been saving it for the show uh for this oh, show damn the but... first and man. Yeah. oh my god amazing so uh the record is releasing on the 25th of august uh so yeah we we have plenty of time to uh get the verse you know done so let's get that out of the way <laughs> uh <laughs> sweet and uh we are also releasing a single on the 25th of uh, of this month 
which is uh, called Loveless. Lavera is singing on it, and João is playing guitar on it too. Nice. Um, and there should be another single after this one, but I'll keep that one a surprise for now. Okay, cool. So single on the 25th of July, record on the 25th of August. Exactly. Lot of 25th. Pardon me? <laughs> Lots of 25th. Yeah, that's a good number, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I, I can't wait. I heard that, I guess, unfinished version technically uh, a couple, like maybe a month ago now. And I, can't, I, you know, I've said this on the podcast on many episodes. I br I've brought you guys up. I don't know why. <laughs> you have a special place in my heart, I guess. It's I don't know. Oh, that means a lot, dude. Damn. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. From the really moment means, I man. saw the name Tokyo Wanderer, I was like, I'm gonna like that. And then I did. And then you guys were coming to Toronto, and I was like, holy fuck. Oh, man. I'm going to meet the guys that made this fucking tape. You know, I had the tape. I Well, you signed it. Yeah. It's around here somewhere. I'm cleaning up my tapes, it's, so it's all messy right now. Uh, yeah, so that new record is going to be insane. Everybody, make sure you prepare yourselves, because I don't want to put pressure on you guys, but it blew me away, and I think it, it's something that the community needs right now. You know what? I'll just bring all the smoke. It's not, it's not vaporwave. It's not necessarily future funk. It's not a necessarily anything. So for the people listening to this, just go into the album, expecting music, but don't just go into it, you know, with preconceptions. Just judge it based on what it is. Yeah, like you probably wouldn't want to refer to Sleepless as a comparison, right? Um, I'd say maybe as the logical step, but not necessarily as something on the same level. I think this is like much better than Sleepless. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not, it's obviously it's like, uh, how do I put this? I think it's like, I've improved on a lot. We have both improved in a lot of, in a lot of manners because, yeah. uh, Jean's already more used to the project and the sound itself. I already know when I should be getting him to to get to do stuff on the record, and besides that, I think I developed a much better uh, ethical conduct. You know, when working with uh, vocalists and when you know uh, contacting people to just do do collaborations and stuff like that. You know, because on this record, I'm actually working with a lot of vocalists. I have about. Uh, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, possibly six. Amazing. Yeah. And that's that's really neat because it's, I imagine it's vocalists that, like you were saying, the album isn't really future funk or vaporwave. Maybe it has elements, but those participants or collaborators, the vocalists, are they in the community or are they just vocalists on their like on their own? You know. Uh, they are, uh, at least one. He is definitely in the community. He has, uh, worked with Vantage plenty of times. He recorded a lot of songs on the album Aloha Island. Mm -hmm. And I'll just straight out say it, that album was one of my biggest influences to make this record. Because I think it's definitely what the Vaporwave Future Funk scene needs. Even if it's not necessarily either of those genres 100%. I think like it brings a lot to the table and it um, unfortunately didn't take off as it should. It, But yeah, it was, he's on the record. Uh, Lavera is, um, 
she's not necessarily in the scene, but she has worked with people related to it, like um, more, I guess, the future funk side when people decide to bring rappers into it. Like she has worked with uh, D-Real um, and some other people. Let me see. Nameless Warning. He has worked with New Kimachi, who has already worked was who's already done work with Montem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Sola Deluva. Actually, is very much in the Future Funk community right now. Like he just did a collab with um, Taj Pierre. I think that's his name. Okay. And uh, Ducat. Oh, nice. We'll be interviewing him soon. Oh, dope. Yeah. And um, there are two more vocalists. Those two vocalists, they are not in the scene. They are actually from one of my bands. Uh, one of them is uh, a Bern- uh, Bernard. You know, I was trying to pronounce it in English, but d- ignore that. <laughs> and uh, the other one is uh, Renato. They are both from Crimson Bridge. Uh, I thought it was interesting bringing them in to like, bring a bit of edge into into my work. Nice. Oh, that's so cool, man. That, that's so neat that you get to like, experiment with that, with all those different vocalists. Like, oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> oh, it's a, definitely a like a learning experience. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I can imagine. And everybody has a different type of voice and sings in a different way. So it's like, how do I work with that? How do I mix it in? You know, especially if they're like new to it sort of right like people can have great voices and sing a lot but not know how to record vocals as much you know yeah for sure man yeah, yeah i think that's the thing that happens with any instrumentalist any vocalist any musician in general um usually their specialty isn't necessarily recording which is totally fine you know you're when you want to start making music you probably want to be a musician mm-hmm. um and when you start uh you know calling yourself the producer you know and and doing mixing work and production work mastering work etc etc uh i think that's where you come in and you're like kind of the glue between the song you've made and the vocalist or uh featured uh musician that you want to bring into the song you know right you for example uh on the case of um of uh of the vocalists i worked on this record i didn't really have to uh you know bother them too much to like re-record stuff you know there might have been like a few parts here and there where i was like okay maybe try something else but in general i think i was lucky because they they had uh good equipment they had good uh mic technique they they knew what they knew what they were doing so i think the results are in my honest opinion are very very good at least compared to anything I've ever made. So it was definitely a plus. Um, but, you know, I'm, I think I'm lucky. I'm very lucky because it's not only those vocalists, it's also João. He's like, he knows what the fuck he's doing when I go up to him. Yo, can you try to record something oh, like a, a solo or whatever? It always comes with the best quality. And the funniest thing, it's like uh, he always puts like... Um, some sort of amp simulator uh, you know that i really like and the tone is like amazing and then i'm just like okay let me try to rip it it's good come on (laughs) you're you're (laughs) incredible man like um you're embarrassing me (laughs) 
And then I, I tried to reproduce it myself with like plugins and uh, the equipment I have on my disposal. And disposal. I'm like, what the hell did he do to like sound this good? And I just end up sending, uh, putting in the song the version he sent me. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's one thing that makes Tokyo Wanderer extra special for me is the tone of the guitar. It is not just crazy licks, but it's one, the tone is so crisp and crunchy and it fits in with the mix perfectly. Like it's got a, a, a section in the mix carved out for itself almost. Oh man, really glad yeah. you like Thank it. Thank you, man. But Nunu has a lot of credit, has a lot of credit in yeah. my tone, man. Yeah, he has a lot of credit. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> because he, he, he takes what I send him and he, he really knows how to fit it better in the song. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. And Besides that, he really knows where I should do the the stuff. Yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, yeah. He tells, yeah, you hear do something, and that's the perfect spot. So he has that kind of vision. So I think that's why it works yeah. well. It's like the solo cres- crescendo area of the song. Like you, it's yeah, got, your, exactly. like your music has a lot of buildup in it too. That's one thing that sets it apart from Future Funk. I think it's not just the same loop uh, with a different. Uh, verse on the second time you know it actually it's progressive in a way oh man that that means yeah. a lot like badass because there's one thing one thing that i've always had a big issue with and i've always like beat my my head on the wall about it and constantly tried to work on it which is making good structures the structure you know? exactly i think exactly it's like you can have a really nice loop okay it's a good loop but it's like if you don't develop it from there, um, in a lot of settings, it's gonna get boring, and if people are not gonna be, you know, they're probably not gonna revisit the song. It's just gonna be that song where it's like, okay, it loops well, so let me just throw it into a DJ set because it's easy to put it in there. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I actually, as much as I like Al's music and a lot of electronic music, like. It's one of my biggest influences for obvious reasons. Um, I also, I, I personally like to mix that oh, approach. God. Oh, now I can hear the siren. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we were busted, man. Back up the ship. Jesus <laughs> Christ, they're coming for me. It's good. But yeah, as I was saying, um, I think it's like, I take a lot of inspiration from the structure on pop songs and sometimes even straight-up metal songs, uh, because I feel they really know how to make something that is simple and sometimes is very samey, but still make it interesting for the the listener, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, great example of that is the long version of Hurt, with the solo at the end and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the eight minute version of the song. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. We need more of that in future funk. You know, like that would be. I hope you guys are playing that at Groove Horizons because that is a, a live song for sure. Like, I would love to see that live. We are actually discussing discussing that because you know I'll spoil a little bit. We might actually uh, we are playing a lot of songs from the album, but we are still considering on whether we should play Earth or not. But mm. after you said that, I might rethink some decisions in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the, the live show is for like you. You see songs were played all the time, or 
on the record you hear them and then you go to the live show and there are the longer versions where the guitarist will just go off on a solo for a while and then the drummer gets a solo you know what i mean like kind of like the in the olden days with like uh, uh what is that called the old music where everybody would uh, get a turn. jazz yeah it's like jazz uh, a certain kind of jazz like older like duke ellington kind of style you know Oh, I see what you mean. So uh, you mean yeah. like the jazz uh, jam sessions? You know, I, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Free jazz. You could do that. Yeah. Like live, sort of with the song. Like it doesn't. It's the song's already built to for that to be done with it. I guess right. So, just a funny idea. No, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it could be a great idea, and I think it would help to engage more people in the in the mm. live show. Or maybe you don't have to do the whole thing too. But at least you already know what you could do easily not have to write a whole extra th improv thing oh yeah for sure yeah i think the songs have a, a lot of space for for improvising and it's always cool mm -hmm. to do it live exactly yeah yeah so yeah we uh we will do some of that Sweet. stuff for sure i'll definitely watch the video that they make after after yeah oh yeah my dude oh man it's a shame we won't have you there i right? know I want to fly out. Well, uh, one day I'm going to fly out to, um, like, Belgium, Portugal, Spain, France, all that stuff. So Yo, we'll definitely dope, get together. Yeah, But, right. you know, we are still going to try to play again in Canada. Because that, yeah. was, that was crazy. I fucking love it. It was magic. That was the best thing I've yeah, experienced man, since that happened. Like, nothing better has come along. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and I've been I've done oh, some cool really? shit since then too. Yeah, I think it was just because you know I got to meet you guys and we hung out for what was it, twelve hours? I don't know. Yeah, basically all yeah, day. Yeah, it was it was mm -hmm. and all night. Oh yeah, for it sure. Really uh, on the second day, <laughs> it was a great. Some, day. <laughs> not everybody got to. I don't think, but yeah, you and Ed and Mare. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to ask how. Uh, Joao, how did you meet Nuno? Ah, uh, we we actually had class together, music class. Oh, in like in we high school. We were the same on. No, no, on a music school. Mm. Uh, I was learning guitar and he was on the bass. And one day I was in my lesson and I think he arrived earlier to mm. to his, and. We it's kind of funny because we, we never <laughs> talk to each other <laughs> and uh, I was like I think I was playing a Metallica song and Nuno sit down and start nice. playing bass the same song <laughs> and we kind of look at each other but never <laughs> talking <laughs> and then <laughs> and then this <laughs> this kind of repeated on the, the next week Nuno arrived a little bit earlier again and the same thing on another song and I think at some point we start having yeah. class together. <laughs> this just happened for so uh, long. <laughs> yeah, but for, I mean, for like, what, four months? We never yes, talked to each other, but playing together. <laughs> we didn't say a word to each <laughs> other. It was like yeah. the funniest thing ever. Yeah, let me just say right now, like, yeah. that, and you guys have metal projects. That is so metal like i could see that at the beginning of a music video to start off the video or you know those like, <laughs> those challenge videos sorry it's like a guitar solo war between two people and they'll go back and forth oh, um, just because yeah, yeah, yeah. metal musicians are often 
you know, I guess the general idea or the stereotype is that they're very stern and like angry looking and not very easygoing or something. So you guys both sit down and it's like, yeah, I'm not going to acknowledge this person, <laughs> but they got some sweet licks. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were both like kind of shy yeah. back then, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were like, I think we were like twelve, thirteen yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah it was something other. around that. I think you were probably already fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, I was like, like thirteen, fourteen. It was it was like the weirdest, you know, the the, the weirdest <laughs> and funniest thing ever. Because it's like, I'm just playing along with this random ass dude and I'm like (laughs) too shy to talk to him because I never like met anyone that also likes metal and plays guitar like in real life. And yeah, exactly. And now, you know, a couple of years later, we are playing in the same band. We are, uh, he's in my solo project, which was a solo project, isn't, isn't anymore, but uh he's playing shows live with me abroad it's like this is it's you know this has to be like the beginning of some sort of movie and this is all (laughs) set up because i think it's too much coincidence it's like a long the longest movie ever but it's you're gonna be your whole life yeah you couldn't i I get what you were saying though about the movie like you couldn't write it right it's just so perfect yeah it worked out yeah man i think if we write it it yeah. wouldn't be so yeah so be like or forest or something it's just so, that's how yeah. unbelievable it is so that's really cool to get the same flack as lords of chaos <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, one sec I'm, a, I'm about to sneeze bless you all right bless you man <laughs> thank you so uh what well, uh, i had another question there oh yeah so you guys both played metal or like you knew how to play how to yeah. improvise a metallica apparently um so when did you, each of your musical sort of preferences and loves for playing instruments start to take shape because it sounds like it was pretty young for the both of you right yeah so we'll go one at a time uh yeah <laughs> no no you want to start <laughs> okay i'll start uh so i started playing bass at the age of uh 11 12 uh, before, I already tried playing, uh, what the hell was it? The guitar, you know, my dad had an, had an acoustic guitar. It was a pretty cheap one. And he, you know, he played like a couple of licks and stuff like that. It wasn't anything that crazy. But I noticed that I wasn't very good at it as much as I tried. And eventually I started like getting, you know, picked on by the kids at my at my street because I couldn't play the, the guitar and blah, 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 you know. So, I one day saw a video of Flea playing from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I was like, holy fuck, this is what I want to be doing. And, you know, I just went up to my dad, and I was like, uh, dad, I want to play bass. And he was like, okay, uh, are you sure about that? And whatever, and I was like, yeah, I want to play bass. And then he got me a bass on Christmas, against my mom's wish, uh, as far as, I'm, as I remember, she wasn't too fond of the idea initially. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I started playing along by myself, you know, and, uh, for the first, uh, one, two years, I didn't have any classes. Then I went to the same classes as, uh, Juan was for like a year. Eventually I left. Then the opportunity at like when I was 15, I think, 
uh, came along to uh, join a jazz school for two years. I went there. I'm gonna be honest, at the time I was really immature, so I ended up not learning a whole lot. Um, but I did end up like with the foundation to later do my own research by myself. Mm -hmm. Well, you'd be a really disciplined, you know, 14, 15 year old if you didn't, you know, mess around in class, right? So Yeah, it's just like the, the teacher is explaining me what the fucking Locrian mode is and I'm playing for whom the bell tolls like, yeah. like the sloppiest manner ever. <laughs> but, you know, um... I, from all of that, I kind of realized, you know, in the glasses, in the classes that I had with João, was like, okay, I didn't pick up as much as I should, so I worked, like, even harder than I already did by myself, and I ended up learning a lot of shit by uh, looking stuff on YouTube, playing along with uh, friends, um, you know, talking with people online, and just listening to songs and watching videos of my favorite bass players playing. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And actually, yeah, let's we'll go to João now. Uh, I I always remember having like a classic guitar around the house. Uh, I think it's very Portuguese to have a classic guitar <laughs> around the house, mm, like a twelve and string. No, no, no. Uh, a six string, a classic, a classic six, six string. string. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember being really young, like seven eight years old like strumming random strings and making an awful noise around the house and my mom always said ah you must learn how to play it <laughs> because she must be thinking that it sounded like shit yeah true <laughs> that's embarrassing son. and yeah <laughs> and i i always said ah no i don't want i don't want to learn uh, i was really into sports back then and uh, it wasn't really my interest mm -hmm. to learn the guitar but someday she kind of forced me to go to to that music school when i was around 11 yeah. and after a couple of lessons my teacher was playing ah uh, i guess it was a metallica song <laughs> Oh shit, Metallica yeah. <laughs> has a lot to do. No worries, with they're great. Uh, yeah, yeah, they are. And yeah, I, I saw that and I I remember thinking to myself, oh shit, uh, a guitar can do that? <laughs> and mm -hmm. and yeah, that was when I I got into really interest in playing guitar. And I think now my mom regrets that. Yeah. <laughs> Forcing me because I have the house <laughs> packed on guitars now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many guitars no. do you have? Oh man, I think about uh, six or seven, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, she was the one who forced me, so yeah. <laughs> deal with it now. Exactly. <laughs> paying for it forever, mom. <laughs> uh, no, I'm really thankful that. Yeah. So. And, and yeah, that's about it. And then I, I got discovering more bands and discovering more genres and... Mm -hmm really got into music it really became a passion and you were discovering them on like on napster and limewire and stuff or in the store uh, on the radio because i i imagine no, you weren't hearing because you said guitar wow a guitar can make that sound so you probably weren't yeah. hearing like much distorted guitar sounds on the radio in Portugal, yeah, right? absolutely not, man. Absolutely not. I I remember back then going like to YouTube top tens uh, and something like top ten heavy metal guitarists mm -hmm. or something like that, and getting to know the bands from 
from that thoughts and and then a band gets to each other and gets to the uh, next one and i think that's how i i got to to make this music network <laughs> uh, and i think like we are a, a, a bit too young for limewire and all that stuff like <laughs> yeah that's what, what i was used yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like what yeah, we yeah. used at the time was actually emule or whatever it was called to download songs <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i was th just thinking that because i was like youtube oh I my god you were that, 11 yeah. or younger or maybe a bit older so you must have been born in like uh, 2000 yeah, yeah. something Ah, right. 97. 97, yeah. Crazy. Uh, 21, right? 21. 22, 22. 22. <laughs> yeah, I'm magical yeah. time i wish i came came by for that those early party oh yeah stuff. i wish you had man. Mm -hmm. you really missed out on some like crazy moments <laughs> it was yeah. so much fun like joan was like really you know he didn't really know the people and it was like oh don't don't say it's my birthday and it's just like screw it i'll say it's <laughs> your birthday it's like let's have fun and whatever And you know that yeah. that uh, night ended up with him and DD going to a Latin bar, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, like some um, some drag queens just started dancing. Apparently, Sweet. <laughs> like in the middle of the club, I oh, wasn't yeah. there, but that yeah. story crazy, is so man. funny. Crazy. It was like we were like at the Airbnb, and ED said like, "Oh, come on, it's your birth. Let's go somewhere." And yeah. I went with him, and he said, "Oh, we are Latino from he is from Colombia, and I'm from Portugal. So let's go to a Latin bar. I want to dance some salsa." Mm -hmm. And yeah, we end up in that drag queen bar. It was yeah. really fun. <laughs> Dude, that guy is a party animal, man. Oh, he is, man. He's so nice. I really miss him. Yeah, shout out to you, um, Electric Dreams. Yeah. That ass, one of the coolest dudes. He yeah. is, man. OG mofo. So we were talking about your music a little bit. When so you uh Joao, you discovered Future Funk, if I remember correctly, through Nuno. Yeah, so exactly. I, I want to know what has been your kind of experience and um reception of Future Funk over these past, I guess maybe it's been two years. Um Yeah. Yeah, since Sleepless. Like, do you listen to it a lot now, or you know, how how uh, much has it influenced your life since starting this and participating uh, so much more in this project? Yeah, uh, in the beginning, uh, I didn't hear it too much, only for like I listened to Nuno's songs and the ones I was recording to, but now I I I sometimes get me like listening at night i really like listening like when i'm at bed uh thinking about life it kind of gives me that nostalgia feeling and i think that's the main thing about future funk is that you get uh it gets the memories coming mm -hmm. to you and i i discover i discovered a lot of new artists on the toronto show I remember after listening to 
F.exe full set live. I reached out to him and said, oh man, I love your set. <laughs> and yeah, I love it. And then uh, I, when I arrived home, I, w- I listened to his LP, uh, Remember. And shit, that's a good record, man. I, I loved it. Yeah. And shout out to Alan from Corespect for, for dropping that. Yeah, man, it's amazing. I think now... <laughs> oh, yeah, shit, and uh, on cassette, I think. I wish did. I had it. It was honestly one of the most like yeah. impactful releases uh, on that year. Yeah, man. So I think now that's I have a a much more full relation with Future Funk. Uh, I like to listen to new releases, and I, I get more updated on Death Matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what What are you guys listening to these days? Um, I'd uh, say that in terms of future funk, I'm just uh, vaporwave. I yeah, don't know if you even listen to vaporwave. Oh, uh, a few things. Uh, I I actually listened to uh, Nuno sent me that a couple months ago. Black Black, Black Banshee. Oh, you know, sweet. Yeah, man, I love I love the. I think it was Blank Banshee Zero. Zero, little vapor yeah. trap. Oh man, yeah, I really like that record. I love uh, the beginning of his records the most. Yeah. Like he's always has that startup sound. Yeah, it's kind of dreamy, man. I don't yeah. know. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's going to be playing at... Oh, wait, no, sorry. That's Death's Dynamic Shroud. Uh, he played here uh, he did. in May, I yeah. think. Yeah, but, it was uh, in Nuno, May. you actually went to, you yeah, actually went to the May, show, dude. didn't you? Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, I did go Tell to the yeah. show. I couldn't oh, make it, yeah. It was pretty interesting. Like, the guy had um, a sampler. I think it was an MPC or something like that. Yeah. And he was just uh, playing some some, uh, some, of the, some of the samples from his songs off the floor. Um, and I noticed that even if he... Um, it, it, what was it? He did... Um, I think it, there were a few things that were a little bit pre-planned. But, you know, I give him a discount because I noticed that he actually did some work with it. Because, for example, he played the version of Teenage Pregnancy that was um, kind of altered. sounded like some sort of uh, edit or remix, and it was really fucking cool. I wish I had, like, a recording of it to, like, go back. Yeah. And he also implemented some stuff from Eco Virtual, which was really awesome and I was not expecting. Oh, that's, cr- that's cool. I would have loved to hear that. Yeah. Cause it's like you're you you. I was only expecting blank banshee stuff, maybe at the very most, like a vapor song or two. But then I heard Eco Virtual, and I was like, okay, this is really awesome. He's like bringing more stuff that no, is I'm, from the vapor trap uh, scene. Was it from Atmospheres or Wildlife Canada? Mm, I think it was am- Atmospheres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hardcore Eco Virtual. I have the four. I have all four Atmospheres cassettes. They are very rare. Damn, that's awesome, yeah, dude. <laughs> um, but they're like the hu- the highest possible quality. It's like, oh, that's so so much goodness. And they're, yeah, they're they're my one of my top top prizes, pride possessions, prized possessions. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, yeah, that's awesome, yeah, man. That's cool. Blank Banshee's doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for this 100% Electronicon show because I get I'm actually going to that one. Love to go to Groove Horizons, but yeah, can't win them all. Oh, uh, I understand I perfectly. I would have. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would love to go to Electronic Electronicon uh, Electronic <laughs> too. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I'm thinking he'll have to do. I was just talking to Zero in another podcast. Um, I, we recorded it this morning uh, about him probably doing a UK show eventually. Like, how could he not? You know? Oh, that'd be dope as well. Gotta like, get in contact with him, actually. <laughs> yeah, good call. Although he's a difficult man to track down. I've we've been trying quite a bit. It's been challenging. <laughs> I've been trying to contact him for forever as a fan, even before I started to do this podcast. So, so he's staying yeah. fr- uh, true to the mysterious vaporwave guy persona. That's big cool. time. <laughs> like he he'll because he he just did an interview a couple months ago with Anthony Fantano, that big uh, music reviewer critic. Yeah, yeah. On YouTube. Oh, what the hell he did? It? I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't know, <laughs> but check it out. I think it's like 40 minutes long too, so it's cool. It was right after. Yo, I'm definitely going to listen to that. Yeah, That's insane. I didn't know like he too. did something with him. Yeah, they're like just sitting there beside each other like awkwardly. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Check it out. Yeah, man. Sure. So um, uh, when did you first start, like decide you wanted to make Vaporwave, you know, or Future Funk, I guess? under the umbrella even though it's um, kind of taken its own shape over the past year no yeah sure um i started you know wanting to make vaporwave in future funk initially it was just vaporwave because i had just discovered a genre um the artists that i was like really into were like hk hk uh, hke other stuff from dream catalog like telepath uh, i'm not sure if he's already release stuff on on dream catalog but you know there's also 2814 and you know saint pepsi and macintosh plus you know and and blank Manchi too and so it was like in 2014 2015 when i started like messing around a little bit but you know it was nothing too seriously it was just me uh putting bob marley songs on audacity and pitching them down it sounded so bad uh so then um i wasn't very much into future funk but after i've already said the story a million times but after a friend of mine died at the time you know i revisited like a lot of macross songs and whatever and it kind of helped me go, uh, go through that you know griefing process because it was just so much the song the music was really upbeat and nostalgic at the same time so it almost um made me it not almost it really made me remember like the good times i had with the dude mm-hmm. um and you know it was definitely like the perfect like healing music for the time and it definitely called for the events so yeah. from there i was like you know what i want to make future funk i like this too much I also kind of wanted to, you know, honor, um, you know, the, my friend and, you know, I was just, I was just like really immersed in the whole thing already. So I decided to make future funk in 2015 and I was just like messing around on FL studio, you know, and watching franchise tutorials and tutorials on franchise. And, you know, I just kept on trying, experimenting. Eventually, I messaged uh, Conscious Thoughts on uh, Steam, and he replied to me, and I was like, hey, dude, I really like your music, because he was one of the, the first future funk artists that I got into. Yeah. 
um, could you like give me some um, insight on how I should like do this and do that and give me feedback and at the time I was like really uh, my music was really bad uh, I wasn't even called Tokyo Wonder yet but then like eventually uh, in that year I got into Manifesto which is now which is now Sleepless Tapes and there there were like artists that I that I am and was really big friends with like Lagoon uh, Turned Boy Mm -hmm. um costanza and a lot of other people gazette uh catry you know and i think like there was where i started uh dipping my my toes into like the artist community of the genre and then once me and lagoon released our collab best friend it was my gateway into joining future society collective mm. and from there based on all the people that i've met like erida's uh, Matsunoki, uh, Fiber, Yumi Rose, Matabe, Seiyun, like all those dudes, like from there, my, I think like I, my, uh, development as a, as an electronic artist went through the roof because I think like the, the most important thing is getting surrounded by people that you aspire to become or people that have the drive to work alongside with you and going through the same hardships. Mm -hmm. And definitely, it was a great experience. And that's kind of how it happened. Nice. You mentioned Yumi Rose there a little bit. I love their record, uh, Reflections, I think it's called. You ever heard that one? Yeah, I've heard all, I've heard pretty much all Yumi Rose material. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, when he was uh, like in 2016, 2017, I think, when he was like re- in 2015 when he was releasing more stuff i always noticed the mix and the master they are not super clean you know and i give him kudos for that because he is not putting all of his effort into making his music super polished but yet he is making songs that by themselves sound really nice and they are interesting in the way he chopped up samples like mm-hmm. There's this song that he made called Tired. Yeah. That has um that has this uh what is it called? It's I think it's um uh what's the name of the the guy that made Iron Ground? The 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 blind uh singer. Stevie Wonder, yeah. Oh yeah. There's like a I think it's a Stevie Wonder sample. Man, the way he flipped that thing is so fucking good. I love that song so much. It has so much power. Yet the mix is like it's rough, but it fits. And, you know, that's something I really value. It's not about having everything perfect in one front or whatever. It's about it actually working as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I love him. I, I love his music for that. A lot of his music. You know, there are uh, maybe a song here and there that I think are, is a little bit shaky. But other than that, like, there are there are definitely uh, songs in, in his catalog that I really, really like. For example, that one. Yeah. He reminds me sort of of like taking the approach to Future Funk, the same approach that a lo-fi hip-hop producer would, where it's like, okay, just make a, a beat sort of and make the beat sound good and then move on to the next one, you know? Yeah, it's very much kind of like the old school, old school Kanye type yeah. of production. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a better ex- example. Uh so I want to talk about your aesthetic a little bit, um, the Sleepless record, your Constellation Prize, um, everything else, all the singles, you know, on your Bandcamp. 
and I want to say it really, it you're, the page really transports me into this universe of Tokyo Wanderer. Like I feel like it's this alternate parallel universe in Tokyo and Japan that has this kind of melancholy um, emotion behind everything involved with it. Like this unspoken feeling between the fictional people in the universe, but also maybe the audience members that hear it. And I just want to say like, good work on that because it really, it took off like the way you have the fonts match and the color schemes match the text and everything is just works so well together. And I can see now with your hurt single that you're starting to add some more color to it. Um, with the consolation prize, also, you have a fake, like, OBI strip on it. And, I, yeah, I just got to say again, like, good work. <laughs> this is r- really awesome stuff. I love coming to your page. Thank you, man. That that I, that means a lot. I really, really, really worked throughout the years of trying to, like, make my aesthetic as cohesive as possible. Mm-hmm. And based on the description you gave me, like, I'm on the right path, I think. Because that's exactly the type of uh, mood that I'm trying to transmit with my visuals, my music, and just everything I do. Nice. Uh, especially on this new record. Yeah. I think it's really the apex of, I guess, the Tokyo Wonder experience. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't even, I, I don't know what the album art's going to look like, so I'm really excited for that. You know, I've, um, actually, I wouldn't say it's like art. I'd say, imagine... Uh, I guess a more, mm, I want to maybe satan, not satanic, more possessed version of mm. that cover. Me, yeah. Think of uh, Marilyn Manson, Mechanical Animals. Okay, okay. Funky, future funky. <laughs> <laughs> I really think this next record uh, is going to represent that kind of universe you were talking about uh, really mm-hmm. well. Um, ah, the the way I look. Uh, at this record after I heard the uh, final mix uh, I think it's like when you when you are done with the club and you danced a lot and you kind of go to to with your thoughts to your home and like you get transported to that universe you were talking about that parallel yeah. universe where you are transported and I think this album is a, a lot more kind of melancholic than the the previous releases mm-hmm. i think perfect because that's uh i didn't yeah. even yeah that's that's amazing fits in yeah i think uh at least for me it really is the really nostalgic feeling that i get when i when yeah. i hear it so cool it's like everything's when you're projected there it's like you're in this place and everything around you looks familiar but there's something a little bit different about it it's like romanticized in a melancholic way i would love to see like a sort of action based like runner kind of like mirror's edge or something but like anime style animated like music video or something to go along with this whole thing uh, oh yeah man. i think it would be a perfect fit man uh, i hope we can make it someday i got the hookups if you need anyone who's who's good at that sort of st- that sort of thing Oh man, Yo, perfect, I'm actually yeah. gonna hold you up for that one because I've been looking for some stuff like that for a bit. Oh, perfect. and that's definitely kind of like the um, the mood that I'm definitely trying to 
trying to uh, uh, represent because I think like Tokyo Under so far has had a few stages. It started with the club, then I guess it went to that part of the club where you're still kind of dancey, but you're already getting or already feeling hungover from how long you've been there and you start like remembering bad things and then everything feels kind of off but it's not necessarily downbeat yet you know it's that really strange feeling uh i can't yeah uh, it's basically what i feel when i when i'm listening to sleepless mm. you know and i'll say like um at least like since sleepless every single uh record i've made has been like some sort of uh, based on some like very negative feeling that I had that I needed to like p- take it out, you know. Mm-hmm. And Incubus is like uh, it, it has a concept to it. I tried to keep it a little bit vague on the Incubus, record. That's, so that's the name of your new record, right? Yeah, that's the name of the new rap record that just slipped out. <laughs> but yeah, now you guys know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Basically, it's just it, it it starts with you know something a, a song that I guess it's kind of similar to the stuff that was going on on Sleepless and whatever. It's not necessarily downbeat or mm-hmm. anything, but it feels like something is slightly off. Yeah. And then uh, as the the album progresses, is almost like that mask, that happy mask that you have on when you're trying to look all upbeat and trying to distract yourself with the happy side of future funk and whatever in the club and all that stuff just falls off. And you're actually facing the the reality and probably the the negative things that happen mm-hmm. in your life. And I think that's at least for me that's what the record represents uh, directly. Because at the time uh, when I ma- when I started working on it, I was kind of disillusioned with some things that disillusioned. I mean, with some things that were going on with the project. Um, I wasn't too happy with the song with the songs I was making. I felt like I was like somehow left out in the community at times Mm. and there were a lot of personal issues that i was having so i just threw it all into the record i try to make the most honest thing possible and yet make it open enough for people to make their own interpretations of it which is something that i really took influence from the nine inch nails uh albums like because trent reznor always says that he has a concept on his album but he makes it but he never says it and he makes it so vague that anybody can relate to it on a personal level. And I really appreciate that. And I hope that I succeeded that with this record. Oh, that's amazing, man. I can't wait for p- people to hear it. Like the way you just described it, it was so like pa- passionately heavy, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I-, I understand. Like for me, this is a very personal record. So there's no other way I can talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. I can also the con- point out this. the obvious, like, yeah, uh, I can like point out the obvious sci-fi, you know, influences and industrial kind of look and feel and even sound mm-hmm. uh, of the whole thing. But yeah, it's that's what it is, and I guess it's the 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 logical step forward. Yeah. Oh, August twenty fifth. Can't wait. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah boys, y'all gotta look out for that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any plans for a physical or anything you can tease about maybe or no no teasing yeah there are actually gonna be um two physical uh, two physicals so far um i'll just start by saying no it's not a cassette it's something much better than that but i'll keep it 
I'll keep it quiet. I think you guys can guess what it is. Yeah. So it's got to be a vinyl or a mini disc. Maybe people love those. Mm, I like mini discs a lot. I can't say yes or no, it, but you'll see very it's soon. It's going to be a new form, a, a brand new technology that's going to permeate everybody's home soon. And they won't even realize it before it hits them. You'll be playing it on that. (laughs) Yeah, we are going to be inserting (laughs) chips on everybody's minds so they can Uh, stream the new record. Like when YouTube uh, decided to uh, get Apple to put their album on everyone's iPhones. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Crazy. (laughs) Or was it it YouTube? Yeah. There was something like that. Yeah, it was YouTube. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it was, it was you. Yeah, you too, the band. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was hearing YouTube for a moment. Oh no, no, no! You too, you yeah. too. It was like the everybody was making memes about it because yeah. it was like, no, who the who the fuck wants to listen to YouTube in twenty nineteen? Yeah, yeah. yeah don't. Whatever if for whatever reason Bono's listening to this, come on, band, don't don't give me shit. I got one of your records on my shelf. I like some of your music. There you go. <laughs> Which he's not gonna be listening. And yeah, I don't say that, but uh, yeah, it was a pretty funny. Uh, experience that happened a few years mm-hmm. ago <laughs> that's a great marketing technique yeah true it made you think about them even <laughs> if you didn't want to <laughs> yeah um we gotta do the same with the yeah. next iphone <laughs> uh, i want to know what your the both of you what your process is when you're writing and recording and all that you know like obviously how you make your future funk, you know, how where you get your samples from. I think you're leaning more towards sampling less on this record, if that's correct. And then for you, Joao, how do you like do you are you handed over the notes for the solo sort of thing or like the the idea, like the outline or are you writing it on the spot? Do you guys get together? Do you have a uh, maybe a ritual or a tradition that you do when you're writing. Like, give me the whole shebang. The way the I I write for Tokyo Wanderer now, it's been kind of like developing for a couple of years because cool. initially I only made music with samples when it came to electronic yeah. music, and the w- the way I went about it, and this is gonna sound very bad to some people, but I'll be honest. Um, I listen to a lot of music, like a lot, a lot of music, not only future funk, you know, a lot of stuff. And sometimes I came across songs that were being sampled in other records. And I was like, damn, dude, I think I could make better than this. Or I could like add my own flair to this. And then I just took this, the, um, the sample from that song, you know, and I tried to like put my own twist on it so much that, you know, it sounded like a new song. I wasn't trying to copy anyone, like, or, um, it was either this, or I would, like, go on, um, you know, the classic YouTube disco funk channels with, like, obscure records from defunct labels, and I would take, like, whatever caught my ear, which was mostly, uh, Japanese stuff, and a lot of records by, um, groups from the, American groups from, like, the 80s, late 80s like a lot of post-disco and uh a lot of electro funk i think that's what i liked sampling the most outside of the japanese city pop stuff but anyways like uh back to the to the question so right now what i do is i'll start by writing a chord progression 
and it's pretty simple like i don't actually uh start by you know playing it on a keyboard because i'm horrible at the keyboard i use that for something else that i'll go on it later but i'll either do it on my bass guitar or i'll write all the notes like on the midi uh on the midi piano roll from apple studio then i'll start um you know after a while i'll settle on something it usually ends up being very jazzy if and if i end up putting a lot of time into that then i go into like the drums and uh additional like leads and stuff like that maybe some pads you know i just started layering a lot of stuff and then uh maybe before all of that or after all of that i'll uh go into the bass um and on the bass um i usually uh think like this does this part like have enough space for me to fuck around and if it does like i'll straight up like do a lead melody on the on the bass sometimes while i have like the root note playing or stuff like that like for example i think one of the best examples of that is probably the the bass riff for imagi like that bass riff has so much presence like from the intro and the verses it has so much presence that it almost sounds like the the lead part of the song yet it's a bass line and then i'll you know i'll start like doing a, a little mix you know pre-mix sort of thing uh of of what it's sounding like like the first 30 uh, seconds one minute and then i'll start like adding you know automations effects all that but Lately, I've been staying away from samples, and when I do sample, I try not to start, like, with the sample by itself, because here's my, my issue. When I started with the sample by itself, I ended up making songs that were centered around that sample. That sample was, like, the, the core of the song. So, if I want to stay away from sampling because I don't want to get into legal bullshit, or because I want to experiment more and I'm feeling a little bit trapped, what I do is I do the chord progression sort of thing, I go along the songwriting process and in the middle of that sometimes even after i already uh, wrote the bass i'll i'll find a sample that i like or I already know something and i'll take like tidbits and i'll drop it in there like almost micro sampling like justice do or sebastian mm -hmm. um yeah and that's that's how i incorporate samples now but even then a lot of the sampling that i'm doing now for example for a, a trap beat that i made the other day it's not even from songs, it's uh, from random things, like I'll record myself thumbing, I'll, I'll uh, take like a, a WhatsApp, uh, um, WhatsApp, um, oh fuck, I dropped the thing, doesn't matter, <laughs> uh, I'll take a WhatsApp voice message of a friend of mine screaming and I'll put autotune on it and I'll make a lead with that, I actually did that on that song or, you know, anything, or I'll find some stupid video of, some, of a person talking. I'll try to incorporate that into my music, and I think there's a lot you can do with that. Um, and you know, I won't get into legal bullshit with that. But that, when I when I do sample, I'll try to like obscure the the source as much as possible. Not only because of the legal ramifications, which honestly I don't I don't care too much about that right now because I'm too small to give a fuck about that shit. But it's mostly a moral thing. Um, I just think like to myself, if somebody would sample my metal music, you know, my metal projects, how would I feel if they just made like a lazy edit? Mm -hmm. Would I be happy about it? And they and they call it the, their own song? Probably not. So yeah. I personally don't do it. I'm not going to condemn anybody who does it. That's your own business. So I try to uh, make 
when I try to work with other people's stuff, it's like, I gotta make something new. I gotta, you know, have respect for who I'm sampling. And I gotta make my best work possible so much that it's like, okay, I'm listening to the song. This is a new song. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, usually after all of that, or in the middle of that whole process, um, usually it's after I already wrote the bass line. I'll, um, I'll go like this. I'll, if it's something simple, you know, I'll record the, the guitar part by myself. And usually the guitar parts, quote unquote, that I record, it's usually like some stupid chord, you know, something very fucking simple that doesn't require Jean to waste his time to like plug everything and whatever mm -hmm. on my bass guitar. You know, it, I can make it sound kind of guitarish, but then I just go up to him and it's like, okay, dude, uh, I made this, um, here's this part. Can you like re-record it? Can you, um, maybe make it sound even better than that? Like make a better version of that or like more than half of the times I'll say, Hey dude, can you like write a lead for this part? Like a melody or a solo. Um, like for example, on Loveless, it was exactly that because I was trying to write like um, a little lead with the bass and it was sounding really shitty. And I just went up to him like, Hey dude, do you want to record like this sort of like simple bass solo for this part? And you want to not, not bass solo, a uh, guitar solo for this part or, and you also want to like do a little thing for the outro and the chorus where you're just like doing some supportive melody work on the back. And that's basically what, how it works. Uh, but when he, when he's recording stuff more than half of the times, especially solos, all of his solos are written by him. Everything. Yeah. Like I, and that's something I really appreciate. Cause it's like, when I go work with someone, especially for a feature, I want them to do whatever the fuck they want, yeah. especially if it's a musician. Cause it's like, I'm not coming to you. So you do what I want. I'm coming to you. So you do, so you put your own flavor into the song. And yeah, that's basically it. And I guess Joel could like maybe develop on how he writes his stuff mm -hmm. for uh, you know the the guitar parts. Uh, yeah, usually Nunu's when it's like uh, something that he has in mind, like something that he has already thought of. He can tell me like, "All right, dude, I, I thought about this. Can you record it?" And yeah, uh, I try to do it on his vision. But yeah, most of the time. When it's leads or solos, he tell me it's like, "Oh, I have like this section. Do do what you want, basically." And yeah, the, I I now have kind of two process of writing melodies. Uh, I usually start by jamming on the section a bit and see if something pops up. But what I, I found out is that I was getting the kind of always the same thing because I was playing what my fingers are used to. To play so i was getting like the same results uh on on each song on different songs so what I, i'm trying more now is like seeing the parts you know like getting the the track running and kind of sync the the lead or the solo mm -hmm. and only after transpose it to the guitar and uh, i really like to do so i think uh, it gets more a different a different um, feeling to 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 that section because uh, that was what I was saying. When you you always jam into a section, the results you'll get is like mm. the, what your fingers are used to play. 
so it will kind of sound the same. So I really like try to experiment on the way I, I write music. And that's the point where I am now. Uh, I actually saw something very interesting the other day. You guys know Angel Vivaldi, the guitar player? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah? Uh, I saw like a mini documentary of the his last record. I think it's Sy Synapse. Hope I get it right. <laughs> Uh, and he was talking about how the recording process for that record, and he, he like he changed his studio for each song. Like he painted the studio in different colors for each of the songs, and he like decorated it with like a forest theme or a desert theme or whatever theme for each song to get like the environment to to help him to build the song and I, I thought like oh shit this is really interesting I, I'd like to try that someday but it was really extreme like uh, reshaping a studio for each song sounds like a lot of work but yeah I found that really interesting and it's really neat that you get to add your own flavor to the to the sound you know like you're not just hired as a session guitarist Right. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad Nuno lets me. Yeah, <laughs> lets me do the yeah. <laughs> my stuff. But, but yeah, uh, I think it works out. We we both have been making music together for so long that we kind of know our tastes. <laughs> yeah, and know what we what will result or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, I guess like it's. It's it's exactly like how we started. We didn't need to talk to figure out what <laughs> yeah. each uh, we, what each of us wanted to do or wanted to play. It's like if a dude starts playing Orion, uh, if I start playing Orion on bass, he'll start like playing along the guitar part. Or if I if he suddenly breaks in breaks into P cells, I'll play the bass part too. So I guess like here is that taken to the extreme. <laughs> Yeah, man. it's really funny how it started and how we are now. Yeah, I know, exactly. And you guys being friends for so long, you know, I can you can really tell that your chemistry is on point with the not only like the friendship and your and the way you guys carry the project, but also, you know, musically and the, the actual content that you are creating together. Like I can only And this is really just starting out too, right? Like I can only imagine what the next album's going to be like. Oh yeah, like we'll never know what happens next, but it's like I'm hoping it's even even like even more um I don't know if experimental's the right word cuz yeah, maybe more experimental, you know. Maybe we'll go even deeper into um into like the uh, what is it called? Like refining our current sound, and besides that, I think it'd be even like cooler if um, if uh, João started like taking more roles in the in the songwriting process, which I hope uh, happens eventually. But I think that will be easier to do on the right next record, just because like on this one I already had so much stuff like written from a year and a half ago and stuff like that so it was like uh, most of the songs were already like sort of pre-built from stuff that I had worked on oh. as kind of a, a meme at like 5am 4am at like um, 
during winter break or stuff like that. Yeah. Or summer break. <laughs> so there wasn't a whole lot of room to, you know, have them like go up to me and say, oh, this, uh, do you, what do you think of this song? Do you want to do something with this? Mm -hmm. You know, but I hope that eventually comes to that because I think he's got amazing ideas. And if uh, we want to currently continue like blending rock and metal elements into our sound, I think that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. You guys have such a, an interesting spot in the community, in the, if you make a Venn diagram, sort of, of all the vaporwave artists, uh, future funk artists, you guys would be like way over on the side, sort of. And I think you're going to really inspire people. Oh, man. That's, oh, thank you, man. That's amazing, man. It's like uh, there's a lot of people who are have been thinking the same thing that you guys, and I know you've mentioned this before, have been talking about where it's like, I'm kind of getting tired of this same old thing but no one knows what to do and so for this for your new record to come out and it's kind of saying like hey this is something you can do like you could kind of go this route if you wanted to um we're, we're doing it you know and i can only imagine how much of a challenge it was to put this whole thing together um, yeah man i i really think that's what music in general is about like uh I never like believe believed in labels and I think that music is like can speak for itself doesn't need like to be rock or or electronic we can create something different with elements from everything and that was always my opinion on music and I think that's what it's all about like there's not I don't believe like there's labels of music. There's only like music, you know. Definitely, like if we uh, if labels were the end all be all of music, I don't think two metalheads would be <laughs> doing stuff in the vaporwave and future funk community. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So I know you're uh, Nuno. You're involved in Future Society a little bit, and it's almost part of what got you going like it maybe was a kickstart for you like you mentioned some of the people that have helped you out how you said your music sucked <laughs> like back in the day um so tell us about that you know fsc a little bit fsc was definitely a huge 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 like point in my musical you know activity and even personal uh you know life because I met a lot of people that I could like resonate with on a personal level. Uh, and I also met a lot of people and those same people and a lot of other ones. They also happen to be musicians I really looked up to. Mm -hmm. For example, before joining FSC, I remember listening to Fiber Supernatural on Artsy, like on repeat or personality or listen to uh, Erida's Keep, you know, uh, what else, like, Conscious Thoughts, stuff like Smooth Groove, many other songs. Uh, and, you know, my favorite feature funk artist of all time, Matsunoki, like, I binge-listened all of his music so much, like, and then I'm, like, surrounded by all of those people on, like, such a casual level. It was, like, a, a crazy experience, but besides that, like, when I joined, it was because of my Lagoon collab. And at the time, Lagoon was, he, he, he was and he still is, like, miles beyond me um, as a musician and producer. He is 
the guy is like gifted straight up like he is very good he's worked a lot and he has amazing skills and i think if he didn't um up on the collab it wouldn't sound the same because i did it i did most of the chopping on there um and i tried to like do a little bass with a sine wave and add some really bad drums and then like a few months after he shows me what he did and it's like holy fuck you actually made like a stupidly good song you know like it was he, he turned that little idea that i had in you know and he refined it so much and it sounded amazing and you know at the time i didn't know much of what i was doing so i kind of like messed around with the master and it sounded a bit more lo-fi i guess you could call it that but to me it was just me not knowing too much what i was doing but that and being surrounded by people that i looked up to put like a huge pressure on my on my on my head and i was like i need to like outdo myself i can't uh you know i can't just be that um beginner amateur i guess like i need to be at the same level of as all of the people in this collective and that i work with so i started like asking a lot of stuff about production there uh asking constantly for feedback um always looking for more information either from those dudes or youtube channels um being on calls where i saw erida's conscious conscious thoughts mm. and fiber producing music and you know seeing them work on all of that stuff really 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 like helped me shape what i do now like not only on future funk but how i make music in general even stuff like when i'm producing stuff for my metal band oh there's a lot of stuff that i that i learned from them when making future funk that i could apply onto that especially when it comes to kicks and snares um you know uh layering samples and all that stuff so you know being surrounded by so many by so much knowledge and having so much pressure on myself to work hard i um i think like my relationship with fsc was definitely very beneficial like it made me who i am right now as a musician and if it if if i would if i would have never been on fsc i'll say this with every single um assurance like on my body i'm 100 sure of this i would not be good at all like i think my music would be straight up garbage it would still be what it was in the beginning of 2015 and during 2014 when i was starting out and you know um so i don't discourage anyone like when you start out your music's not going to sound perfect so it's not i'm not trying to say you know new producers are necessarily horrible and have no chance like you just got to work and surround yourself with the right people and yeah that was how fsc was for me it was definitely like a huge experience there's so many big names on there like I wish they were still around. Oh yeah, definitely like Tendencies, uh Amherst, Vantage, Matsunoki, like there are so many guys on that roster that inspire me so much still to this day like you know, I still listen to, you know, new faces from the Future Funk community, but pretty much every week I end up going back to Matsunoki's SoundCloud or Tendencies Waterbeds or amherst like uh amherst's like new or 
uh, Vantage, uh, Cyberfunk, or Aloha Highland, um, what else, like, Conscious Thoughts, sometimes Sunsea and Surfing, you know, I always end up going back to those records because they inspired me so much. Yeah, man, Conscious Thoughts is so good. And uh, Vantage, like, I've got the Metro City tape. I look back at those days when we were, like, ending high school, and we were all just, mm. like, kids fucking around, and looking back, it's like, some of those dudes were just so stupidly talented for their age, like, and they still are. For example, mm -hmm. Matsunoki. Like, he, in my opinion, if he was still doing music actively, I think he, he had potential to, like, get on ad banger or some big 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 label yeah and fiber i think like yeah the sky's the limit for that guy because like he's stupidly talented like on all fronts and even if i uh if i go to like more recent producers that uh, ended up joining future society like quote-unquote recent uh for example i think evi.exi and Rhodes are like perfect examples of dudes that also, for them, the sky's the fucking limit. For example, Rhodes. Um, I already listened to him before joining FSC when he was on Sunrise. And his music was fucking insane. Like, the way he chopped up samples and mixed, like, multiple samples into one song. It was really, you know, mind-bending. A really mind-bending experience and really eye-opening. Like, that inspired me a lot. EV.exi is like... Um, electronic house-isms, you know, that he brought into his music, and just how he made everything sound so aggressive and punchy, like, even punchier than dudes like Tendencies and Fiber and Amherst and all those dudes uh, were doing, and that I fucking love that aspect about their music, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Well, I'm really stoked for you guys, like, I, and you're playing the live show coming up with, with you know, some other people like that, and I want to say, just... So people realize um, it's a lot of work to carry a giant amplifier to another country or even a giant bass guitar for that matter. So, um, you know, props to you guys for actually being consistent and following through with the, you know, you're actually using instruments to record your music, like instruments that you play, and you're actually playing with those instruments live. And I still think that you guys are the only people to do it still it's like why <laughs> you know well thank you man um it's definitely yeah, man, thank you so much it means a lot yeah yeah like, i wanted it's... to go ahead oh sorry go ahead sorry go ahead i already talked too much <laughs> that's all good i wanted just to talk about uh because you guys might be having a bit of difficulty is that right <laughs> getting to the show and all that because you put up yeah, the gofundme and i think you is you did you make a hundred dollars yet yeah, 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 I made 100 euros. Um, nice. You know, euros, it's... Yeah. yeah, it was fucking amazing. Like, I went over the, the 90 euro goal, so it really means a lot to everyone. Uh, like, means a lot to me. Like, thank you, everyone, for helping me out at that. Like, all that money is not going to be spent on mo on booze. Like, so far, all the money that I've made from that has gone into uh, renting hostels and getting myself to flights, you know, along with other money that I had... Uh, saved up and that I, uh, you know, got from the show. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, um, carrying instruments into other countries is serious business. Like, it's definitely not an easy task. And 
unfortunately we don't have the the the, the capacity to do it yet yeah um, oh, okay so what we did for the canada show um we had to rent equipment at long and McQuaid. like we rented uh, a bass guitar an amplifier for the guitar and the guitar um is that and the then bass like, that mare was carrying around yeah exactly oh no 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 wait wait no mare a had a bass. different bass oh he just rented yeah. one for fun yeah, yeah, no. Mare brought his own bass so he could practice for his show. Yeah, I think he did. <laughs> he brought it from. Yeah, br- yeah. <laughs> where where does he live? Like, yeah, I don't know if I can say it. It's just because yeah. the guy's a little bit anonymous. For sure, tries for sure. to like you know keep the 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 mare image consistent. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like he brought the bass from home just to practice for a gig that he was having. Uh, but I ended up renting another one just because like. Um, you know, people end up being a little bit skeptical about about this when I say it, but it's like it's impossible to play uh, Tokyo Wonder songs with a four-string bass. Mm-hmm. So I had to like get a five-string bass at Long and Long and McQuaid. Um, mm-hmm. It was a uh, Nibanez, like a pretty pricey one. It, it's, it sounded fucking amazing. Yeah. So um, you know, it's not an easy task. And we are looking into renting equipment again for the UK show. At least, like, as long as we don't have, like, the necessary equipment to carry it, like, legally on an airplane. Like, for example, an art case. And uh, maybe, you know, I think we'll always have to, like, rent amplifiers. That's a a complicated situation. But at least for the base, we already got uh, around with not having an amplifier because I have... um, uh, pre-amplifier DI mm. so I just uh, stick that thing straight into the, the PA. into the, the PA exactly and nice. it just comes out of the PA and it works that way oh that's handy um, yeah definitely <laughs> I wish I could like also have um, I uh, you know part of me wishes I could sell a, I could have like a bass amplifier so it wouldn't like muddy up with the with the rest of the music but you know we gotta, we gotta make, we gotta make lemonade. We gotta make lemonade with the lemons we were, we were given, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. I've heard that one. Yeah. So, what has your experience been with uh, artsy music and real love music? Because I know you have some videos up there. It's been uh, pretty nice so far. Like, I think their promotion, um, you know, is definitely very beneficial to the community. Um, you know. I think it's uh, a bit of a shame that RC went through a bit of a, a downside lately because of uh, copyrighted material on YouTube and all that stuff. Yeah. Um. So I personally think, like, in 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 real love music, like they are getting bigger, but I personally think there's like a bit of um of a hole to be uh of a gap to be like filled in the community when it comes to promotional channels. Yeah. Interesting. What what are your thoughts on music's the hang up? Because he does a you know it's half future funk, half vaporwave sort of. Um, and you had an interview with him as well, uh, just for like you know sharing the vaporwave and filling that gap you were just talking about. So I think definitely like music's the hang up. Uh, Pat Shannington and all those dudes like they yeah. are bringing something very nice because before them I couldn't I can't really think of anyone. That was like doing reviews, you know, on such a uh, re- reviews in the news and all that stuff on such a big level, you know. And they are definitely how... making the difference. Yeah, <laughs> Pad 
Pad's work is so thorough, like the essays he writes for his videos. I love them. The words he comes up with to describe things, that they're like always such great descriptor words. And then Kite 0080, Music's the Hang Up. Does he sleep? <laughs> you know? Like, oh my God. This guy's so busy, told, man. Yeah, when I talked with him, he told me that uh, how does he, he do straight it? up like works, no, not works. He listens to like 20 albums a day or something crazy like that to like wow. figure out all the music that he wants to feature. Oh, shit. Um, and, you know, I think um, they are both doing their efforts to definitely bring something nice into the community. Uh, you know, people in the feature film community that are old, that uh, have been for a lo- here for longer are mentioned. At times, it almost feels like there's this sort of idea that... We are kind of like the grumpy old people that just wanted to be the same way it was two years ago. But, <laughs> you know, for me, it's definitely not the case. I I don't know, man. I, I think like it, it goes beyond that. But I'm seeing that both of them are doing more research when it comes to that. So I'm I'm happy about it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's, that's hilarious. I almost like spat all over my mic. <laughs> Maybe, not, pre- not prepared <laughs> yeah it's not something you know that uh i notice like in every video it just happens here and there <laughs> but it's yeah, i'm sure. but you know after i told um uh this to music's the hang up like we are not just you know grumpy people we actually want to make music and you know in a much more in a formal manner i noticed that his, mu- his videos started like improving there and there was more research but at the same time i understand why both sometimes slip up on some ma- on some matters because it's like they have so much music to listen to every single day they yeah. have so many emails to go through every single day and yeah. at least music's the hang up like i know the guys like working every damn day to like put out some some sort of thing on his social media or youtube or whatever mm-hmm. he's always like constantly thinking of new ideas of improving his channel videos he's been doing now too yeah i like his yeah. work a lot um and i um every time i put out an episode i i don't always listen to them uh fully like i you know i'll maybe i'll put it on for a bit and just be like okay that's done now let me just enjoy my because these things take a long time for me, as you can imagine, you know? Yeah, man. No, so, definitely. Yeah, we really appreciate, man, your work. You know, I'll like, just man. say it right now. Like, <laughs> Thank you I, so much for uh, doing that. I've been listening to some of your podcasts lately. And, for example, the one with Alan from Correspect, I really yeah. liked that episode. Like, it was so interesting. And it was, like, really put, well put together. And the essential one too, though unfortunately I don't think like there was enough like light shined upon some artists. For example, I think I personally think Fiber yeah. is like extremely interesting to like listen to uh, to, to him talking. You know, especially when it comes to music, because the guy He's for so such smart. a yeah, even for such a young person, he already has so much musical experience. And I think like for example, Panic Pop would also be a great person to like talk more thoroughly too too because Mm -hmm. he is he comes from different communities and you know he's also been like he's also like into like rock and metal and stuff like that but he also did stuff with the kawaii based people which i think is like a a very interesting sort of like collective bunch of people in toronto yeah yeah we didn't get enough time to for fiber's interview i forget why um and we were near a church and some 
there's something I don't know. That was a super busy day. I had to get like a million interviews in like two seconds. But, yeah, um, that's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Completely, it man. <laughs> it was crazy to edit that though. Like I won't even get into it. Yeah. But uh uh we're interviewing him again soon. We're, he wants to come back on the show. That's so, awesome. Yeah. We'll have a full two hours with the guy. Oh great, man. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward we'll to full fiber experience. Yeah, great. Exactly. <laughs> we'll exhaust you guys of your all your fiber <laughs> wants. Goodness. Uh, and then Panic Pop, he and I are getting together for beers soon. Oh, awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, now that it's warm patio weather, we were like, let's go to a patio, bro. He works downtown, so it's like, I live here, why not? Oh, that's so awesome oh, to man, just like, meet all those dudes at, uh, at almost... Almost like at uh, snapping your fingers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, yeah. one of the benefits of living in a giant metropolis. But it's it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> I have a crappy little apartment. It's a nice apartment. I like it, but I'd like to have some property. But you know, I don't have a million, two million dollars to drop yeah. on a on a mortgage. Oof! Yeah, so. that's that must be difficult getting like your own property yeah. in Toronto. But you know, I yeah. think like I, I I don't think I ever will. Eh, yeah, you know, that's all life is. But I think, like, everything has its upsides and downsides. It's just the, the grass don't always looks greener on the other side. Like, exactly. some, some Chinese so right. um, philosopher said that I don't remember the name of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was well, Confucius, right. but yeah. Yeah, greener grass. I don't know if you guys knew this, but I when I was doing my research, I saw that there was a record... Uh, that you had available at Best Buy, is that right? Is what that the a... fuck? Yeah. Like, is it for real? Yeah, is it? It's not available anymore. But type Google Tokyo oh, Wanderer crazy. Best Buy, bro. What someday. the fuck? I gotta check this out. Oh shit! It was like, like the the cassette. I thought it was a CD. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking oh. about. It's not our CD, but I do know what record it is. So, um, okay, story time. When I was picking this name. I only noticed that people um, uh, people on the internet only used it for, like, Tokyo travel guides, you know, and stuff like that. Mm. But then I did some more research, and apparently there was this um, uh, Japanese composer that made this thing called... Uh, this uh, record called Tokyo Wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What's the name <laughs> of the dude? I think he's on Amazon. Let me check it out. Oh, okay, so is that... The album name for somebody, dude. Yes, the mo- it's the the consumer experience. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I found it. It's Kazumi Watanabe. Oh, I know them. Sweet. Oh, really? Yeah. I never crazy. heard of him. Like, I never heard of him. Was like, never checked his music or heard about it uh, in other places. Watanabe, Kazumi. Yeah, I thought it was Azumi. But you know, I think like. It, there will, there could be a possibility of my record being there, considering that I've heard of like uh, vaporwave cassettes and vaporwave vinyls being found in like the most random stores ever. Like, you know, not only record stores, but like thrift shops. And um, there's like a, I think there's like a, a store in Japan that sells like stuff from Neon City Records, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know. Part of me wished I was on Best Buy, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was right. There is a Izumi Watanabe. It's a, it's a girl, though. Oh, uh, okay. 
So you guys are quite proficient musicians. Like, when did you decide that you wanted to get like good, good? Like, wow, you are in freaking good at guitar and not just guitar but like nuna was saying your knowledge of how to get the perfect tone the mix um you know your fingering your picking style and same with you nuna like how how did you guys do that when did was it because of metallica maybe like how proficient they are like but you guys are even better than them now i would say so like oh, you can man. slap that bass baby that's blasphemy <laughs> dude, that's the- Thank you for Thank real, you so but much, Robert is still a badass, like, oh, yeah. good-ass bass player. Yeah. We can talk about Lars, but that's another situation. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, there's no drummer here. <laughs> yeah, they're role masters. I don't know. Thank you so much. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm really glad. I'm really glad that you that you liked our stuff, man. Thank you. For real. Thank you. Really appreciate it. But I don't know. I th- I think like when you have fun doing something you you don't you don't think much about it you just keep on doing it because you yeah. you don't feel the time passing and and that's like I can spend like days playing guitar for hours and uh, I don't even get the time like passing by so uh, I think like when you're doing what you like it's there's not much yeah things to think about you get it it just happens like you just a byproduct of your enjoyment yeah is getting better but didn't you do you, like i always hear this with musicians especially guitarists that they hit a wall and then they can't get past yeah. that wall or they have to figure out a way to get past it whether it's you know watching those old training videos from the 70s where the guys are just showing you the the patterns to practice yeah. Uh, like what did you guys need to do any of that sort of stuff or did it just did it just come out of your love for playing i think uh one thing that uh, i learned over the years is to become more like open-minded to all kinds of music because uh i don't i remember back in the day like being kind of yeah uh, square minded and and i was like yeah only listening to to a, a specific kind of music and then uh, I opened my mind to what <coughs> music can give me like I can learn a lot from hip-hop from electronic music from everything every genre has something to offer that we can apply to to other genre so uh, I'm really glad that uh, I evolved in that matter and now uh, I can I can like listen to a bunch of different things and apply it to mm-hmm. the music I'm producing. So uh, I think that's uh, that's a manner to overcome that yeah. creative wall that you were talking about. Listen to other genres, even if you think that it's not your thing or you won't like it. There's only there's always something to learn from it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. You can learn. And there's also something very, very important um, when you are a musician, which is that when you personally think that there is really so much that you can, that you've already, uh, that you can still like um, get from the people that are doing the same thing as you, other bass players, other guitar players, whatever the fuck you play, um, you need to start looking outside of the box. Um, 
I don't know how it is for maybe uh, João, but for me, like, it was like in the beginning, most of the bass players that I aspired to play like, I felt like a lot of them hit this like wall where it's like they won't go past the root note sort of thing, quarter note, you know, uh, rhythm throughout the entire song, especially on rock and metal. So at least what I had to do was start looking at uh, rhythm guitar players and even at times listen to what drum, what sort of patterns drummers do on their bass drum, you know, and maybe even like listen to a solo from any instrument and like try to figure out what are like the best patterns and combinations that I can think of, like what is the most pleasant interval to do when a certain chord is being played. Obviously, mm -hmm. it depends from time to time, but, you know, there are certain uh, correlations that you start, like, making in your head. And I think it all comes from being open-minded uh, to all types of music, like Joan said. Like, you can't just listen to one type of music and expect to be good. And, one, and once you start, like, thinking you're actually getting good, only doing one thing, you're, it's probably because you're stuck in an echo chamber and people are always constantly feeding you the idea, oh, you're good, dude, you're really good, when you're just doing the same thing over and over again, which I think happens a lot with metal. And yeah. there's another uh, thing that is um, very important, in my opinion, that is knowing when to work a lot and knowing when to do breaks, because if you're not inspired to work on that moment, take a break, because... The more time you end up wasting time on your instrument, it's more wasted time that could be going into something else, and it's going to take more time for your mind to refresh, or it just won't refresh yeah. at all. And I think that's the wall. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, when you're stuck with something, it's better like to, I don't know, I, I like to go jogging, for example, when I, <laughs> I'm not getting what i want when i'm recording i like to take a walk or jog a little bit nice. and when i come back i come with a fresh mind and uh, i said let's try it again now with a mind clear mm -hmm. yeah well you have to i was talking to someone else about this on a different podcast but you really want to like like if you were at your computer that's what i was saying about rituals like do you guys have rituals or traditions or jogging that's a great one especially because it gets your your heart rate up too you know, gets those yeah. creative juices flowing. Um, yeah, I've heard that you know, practicing too much can actually be bad because if you're just playing, there's a difference between playing and practicing or practicing hard or practicing just to say you practiced, right? Like, are you really thinking about what you're trying to accomplish with today's practice session, right? Or are you just picking up the guitar like, okay, I have to practice now. And just playing whatever. So I guess it requires a bit of discipline there, right? Mm, definitely. Like, you can't just yeah, pick up sure. uh, the instrument and uh, expect your creative juices that are being brought by the, the celestial beings to, like, uh, bring you some sort of fucking idea. Like, that shit is bullshit. Like, I think people romanticize the whole concept of making art and improving a certain activity. Nobody has, I'm gonna say something that people are not gonna agree with me, but nobody has talent. Talent is just a fucking illusion. Like, I think what people have is the result of hard work and dedication. Um, 
I think if you enjoy something enough to work on it for hours, there's you're for sure eventually gonna uh, be good at it and proficient in what you do. Obviously, there are people that will be like stupidly good, and others that will be moderately good, and others that will be average. But it's like I think everybody has something good to bring to the table. Um, and um, uh, what I was gonna say is, I think it also depends on what level you are, because if you're starting out, like you are gonna need a lot more hours practicing than you, that you're gonna than you're gonna need hours actually playing because you're trying to figure out the basics and you want to build the basics if you want to build the basics you got to think about what the fuck you're doing even if it's just learning a simple song mm -hmm. and then like that ratio of what you need starts shifting to another extreme where it's like you need to i think eventually when you get really good you need to spend more time playing than more time practicing because there's really so many like techniques you can come up with and Eventually, you also reach a point where you're working with bands and a lot of projects, and it's like you got more. T you end up more time like playing during a, a studio session or or live shows than sitting down and playing with your guitar and your bass. Because at least for me, uh, speaking from my point of view, I'd say that these days I don't practice a lot. Um, no, actually yeah. not that much. Uh, not only because I think I'm more comfortable just playing, but because I also have a lot of other things to do regarding university and whatever. But I do practice when it's necessary and I find yeah. something really important, especially if uh, I'm practicing, um, you know, a new technique that I just found. Like, for example, lately I've been... I think like the last year now, if I've been like practicing mostly is my tapping technique. But for example, mm. I would say that uh, my playing time has brought to me a lot of like interesting stuff. For example, uh, I ended up developing better soloing uh, techniques and I ended up developing uh, different ways to go about myself when I get on stage because what you play in your bedroom might not translate the same way on stage, not only because of the whole stress surrounding it, but also because of how it will sound like through a PA system. Um, that's very important. Yeah. And uh, there's something else that I almost forgot. Yeah, and I think like eventually you also start branching into other things and like as it was production and from you know learning things like chords and whatever that you typically don't talk too much about when you're a bass player unless you're like studying jazz and doing walks um i ended up like yeah, true. learning a lot of stuff about intervals and i think that's like something that helped me a lot with bass you know like going from uh, chord to chord during chord progression, like the best ways of like doing that sort of, uh, yeah, it's literally just a fucking transition, you know, from place to place. Um, and knowing what, and you know, when you start like writing songs where you got a lead and the bass and the drums and whatever, you also start figuring out when is the right time to, for me to like play a bass solo? When is the right time for me to just stick to the root note and let the guitarist shine? When is the best time for me to be, be really locked with the drummer so the rhythms are like crystal clear, you know? So it's, yeah. 
Yeah, it's. Yeah. I think it's. At least that's how it is. It's uh, a ratio that shifts a long time. Uh, that's such I a- heard something. I heard something the other day that I can really relate to what you're talking about, Indy. That was. I think it was some entrepreneur that said it. That uh, the way he achieved success, it was like he said, it's not about hustle. It's about leverage. So mm. he said, you can keep on hard working a lot but if you're doing something wrong you can take uh, the uh, how much time you want and you won't get the results you want because you are w- just wasting time yeah and uh, i think that's it if you if you like invest uh less time but more precisely and like taking lessons or talking to people that already achieve some of the goals that you are aiming to uh i think that's what it's about it's not about really spending that much time on something it's about uh, a clever use of that time mm-hmm. yep that's that's well said you could and i can tell that you guys have made clever use of the time thank you because <laughs> you're fucking good oh man um yeah thank you so much yeah no i just i want to thank you guys for being so transparent about all that stuff with me throughout this whole episode i really appreciate it and thanks for coming on the show and everything too um i'm pretty much out of questions now so we can just sh- shoot the shit for a little bit where did the name tokyo wanderer come from uh the tokyo wanderer name uh you know it's, uh, I once made, like, a very, very, like, deep sort of philosophical fucking explanation of what it is, but let's just be honest, it's a combination of the two, of my two favorite animes, uh, when I, uh, started officially the Tokyo Wonder Project, like, around 2015, which yeah. were Tokyo Ghoul and Wandering Sun, um, funny enough, I'm not... Never heard of Wandering Sun. Uh, it, Wandering Sun is, like, I think it's a very interesting anime since it's probably the only uh, series in the in the in the scene that talks about uh, two ch- about uh, tra- trans transgender people. You know, like it's about two transgender children. Like there, there's one that uh, is a boy that identifies as a girl, and the girl that identifies as a boy, and it's about them going uh, about their lives and dealing with those struggles from day to day like in school and with their families you know and that you know i won't spoil it too much i i really recommend everybody to watch it not just people that might relate with that issue uh because it's really eye-opening and it really tells you like uh you know it's a i think it's the best probably one of the best um pieces of media that truly describes the way transgender people really are they're just normal people minding their own business and that have happened to have that issue not not an issue you know just they just mm-hmm. identify that way it's not you know it's not it's not something they control yeah that circumstance yeah exactly maybe is a better word for it yeah that's cool i gotta check out that show but tokyo ghoul that's that's an amazing i'm not gonna lie i like the manga more uh I used to be really into the anime during my my uh, my teens, but I think like the ending of the the first part uh, was much better done in the manga, at least from what I remember experiencing when going through that series. I don't remember mm-hmm. the whole thing too much anymore. 
Yeah. I think it often is in the manga, you know, like there's only usually one, not too many writers. And oh, I'm actually... Like Death Note, I, that's a great example, you know, like that the way the, way the ending was done. Oh, no, I actually never watched the Death Note nor wrote... Uh, 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 go, got through the manga oh, on Death shit. Note. Probably should though. Do it. Oh my God, is it ever good? That's, I think there's a reason why everybody's seen it, right? Yeah, like probably I I keep hearing people talking about it for years. I, I don't know. I'll just add it to my list. But it's like I think there are. Um, it's pretty short uh, too. How many episodes? The anime. Is it? Uh, yo, how many episodes is Death Note? Fifty. My buddy says fifty. I don't know. I, my, he's usually pretty he's usually right with this sort of thing but that seems a bit you long. know i'll give it a check um yeah oh definitely it's one of my favorites for sure as cliche as it sounds 40 uh okay 40 yeah that, i have enough time for that i've watched fucking ep- animes yeah. like more than 100 episodes already or for example, I yeah. watched all of and Naruto kind of, just like when I was making Sleepless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where the inspiration came. A part of it, actually. Um, yeah, nice. Because um, you couldn't sleep because you had to watch Naruto so much. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, Death Note has like, it splits. The story kind of changes halfway through. Um, and the second half is amazing, but the first half is even more amazing. So you could, if you really wanted to quit it, which I know you wouldn't because it's that good, it'll keep you enticed. But, uh, if it makes it sound easier, you could watch only half of it and still be satisfied. You know, I might actually go watch it like after this because, um, they're all, uh, Oh, do it please. Because that asks a lot of the inspiration that comes from Tokyo Wanderer comes literally from those type of animes. Like, if somebody went up to me, like, on the spot, what are your biggest inspirations? I would list some, you know, music, and I will just start listing animes afterwards. Yeah. What What else you got? And what about you, uh, Joao? Do you watch anime or, or no? Uh, not really much right now. Uh, a few years ago, when I was younger, I really liked the... Um, I think it's me Miyazaki yeah, yeah. stuff. Hayao Miyazaki. Like the Spirited Away, yeah, like the Spirited Away and uh, Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, I really enjoy those those movies, but regularly I don't I don't really watch like series series yeah. or yeah I don't mm-hmm. really. But but yeah, those movies were like yeah. <laughs> those are some of the really? best if you haven't seen spirited away and howl's moving castle everybody check those movies out man They'll oh blow yeah you away i remember i'll For never sure. forget where i was and what i was doing and what age i was all these things the first time i watched spirited away it fucking took me for a trip man yeah man I was in the right place, the right headspace for it too. Just, just discovering myself and my body, and who I want to be, like my identity. Ugh, so good. Maybe I should watch more anime <laughs> because those ones were really great. <laughs> the thing for me about it is, like, a lot of the Western. I don't know how much Western stuff you guys watch, but it just they t- they waste time on shit I don't care about. <laughs> Whereas in anime, it's like information overload a lot of the time it's like like the way they write it's just so much more rewarding and there's so much more impact and things are more profound like i said this on a different episode japanese version of sailor moon 
is actually pretty dark and like sad and tragic. But the North American Sailor Moon is like happy-go-lucky sugar candy gumdrops land. Oh, yeah. You know? I, I, <laughs> so, think, I, think, I think that's just because... Yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just saying that I think something similar happened like with Yu-Gi-Oh! I, I remember when I was mm. younger seeing the the American version that was the version that, that uh, was streaming on Portugal also. And and then uh, coming across uh, an episode of the Japanese version on, uh, I don't know where it was, but it was really different. It was like more adult content, if you may say. Yeah, more mature. Yeah, yeah. Challenging. And it's probably because of um, how Japan tends to target uh, a much wider uh, age, you know, with their audience. Yeah. And in the Western, just because they are literally cartoons, uh, there's like the stigma that, oh, that's only stuff for children, so you gotta sanitize it and whatever, and you can't have anything that it's too deep because children are clearly too dumb to, you know, learn anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of sad. I think like Japan, Japan in that aspect is like ahead of the curve when it comes to entertainment. Yeah. Well, and it's also like North American adults wouldn't like that sort of stuff. It's like, psh, fuck off. Yeah. You don't know what I like. I love that stuff. <laughs> but I guess the, yeah, it's, the idea... Yeah, it's such a shame. Yeah, like uh, North America back, especially in the 90s, early 2000s, you would be a castaway sort of if you were to you know, advertise that you were a fan of anime or who your favorite waifu was, things like that, you know? So it's a better time now. We can be mature adults, but also still hold on to our nostalgia. Well, I guess that's a vaporwave ideal too, but yeah. Definitely, like yeah, being man. fucking bullied for listening to Slipknot and watching Naruto. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can relate to that way too much. Yeah, because I don't know any, or maybe it's just because I was a kid, but at the time, I didn't know any of any adults that were into anime or video games, you know? Like, now we, we're adults, but we can't, like, I'm 31, you know, I'm and I'm going strong. You should yeah. see my apartment. You have seen my apartment. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's like a fucking, uh, it's hey, like yeah, a amazing. fucking vaporwave and anime expo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's a treasure, man. You have there a treasure. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's commitment, badass. Yeah, it's. Uh, I couldn't like. I move in here. I'm like, hey, I got white walls everywhere. I'm gonna have to cover that shit up. <laughs> oh yeah, I've done that since I was like twelve or so. I've always just been covering my walls with shit. Some things never That's change. That's fucking awesome, dude. Like my mom keeps giving me shit for <laughs> putting like. Um, posters and whatever on my wall because oh that's childish oh you have uh, a Futurama poster now why do you have that that's for kids it's a cartoon it's like I don't care man it's it's what I grew up with you know at least that's well, how I see it you could call me up and I could tell her you know I'm 31 check me out <laughs> <laughs> yeah just go like I'm 31 it's not gonna change except it's <laughs> yeah exactly no, you think I, you think me not having the poster makes me not like Futurama? Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna stop watching it even if you put me in an adult. Um, uh, if you put me in an hotel room. 
Yeah, with some random flower art or some fruit drawing. You know, <laughs> I guess that would be considered a pretty vaporwave bedroom That's now that true. I'm thinking about it. That's <laughs> true. All you need is the neon flamingo in your set. Exactly, and the <laughs> '80s furniture yeah. that looks way too fu futuristic for like how much it actually can do. Yeah. <laughs> um. I. Yeah. I think that's pretty much all my questions, guys. Um. I want to keep talking to you though. Like this has been the funnest. I love talking to you guys. You're literally the best. Yeah. Man. To have a conversation with. Thank you, man. Oh, it's been really fun talking with you it. too. Like. Yeah, man. Like I said uh, earlier, the transparency. It's just such an honest conversation, man. Like, no bullshit. Not that other people have bullshit, but yeah, it's just a, a breath of fresh air talking to you guys, and I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, man. We we love talking to you. I'll I'll keep talking to you like for the whole night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then the podcast would be like four hours. <laughs> I think that some sipping cr some beer while talking. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> You're making me jealous now. I need some <laughs> fucking beer, dudes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should get some. Pretty good stuff. I don't have any. Uh, ah. so, <laughs> something's wrong in that picture. We need to get a beer together, man. Yeah, we didn't... Again. We yeah. didn't... Uh, there's just like like I was saying before, when you guys were here, there were so many people. Um, but So it's really nice to have this one-on-one -on -one, or two-on-one, -on -one, I guess, conversation. <laughs> But I know we'll see each other again yeah, soon. I'll be. Cool. I'm coming to Portugal. Portugal one day. I've said it. I said it when we met. And I've, I've said it in between, and I'm saying it again now. I want to do the whole backpacking thing in Europe, right? So maybe when it gets cold here or something, I don't know. But we'll be seeing each other. Amazing. Yeah, man. for sure. Look forward to have you. To have you here. Mm -hmm. You can give me a bed, and maybe there'll be there'll be a concert we can go to uh, a metal one. Oh yeah. Man. Rock out! Oh, you know that, that I'll great. make. A, we'll try to get a, a Tokyo Wonder show off the off the floor over here, so you can like nice. we can actually drag you into the country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be I'll be I'll be crowd surfing, <laughs> moshing. Hell yeah! Bringing that metal vibe, dudes. You gotta. We gotta make a fucking metal project. You on the vocals? Oh, dude, I'm so down. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm actually. I'm doing vocals with a well-respected artist, vaporwave artist, right now. I don't want to say too much because there's always a chance it might not work out and whatever, but you can uh, hopefully keep your ears peeled for that. Um, but yeah, oh, let's great. definitely, if you guys ever need a singer, man, I'm I'm there. I got the screams like oh, down. Oh, great, man. Don't go offline after this call. I'm actually, I, we need to talk. <laughs> I actually don't have too much time, uh, but let's just hop on another call sometime tomorrow or we can just do chats uh to continue no, the just, conversation just chat no yeah just anything it's uh you know i'm i've been looking for you know screaming and stuff maybe i won't say too much oh okay maybe. wicked i'll send you some samples dope i definitely will cool well i guess that's it for me i should probably get going but you know, thanks again, guys. Have an awesome rest of your night, oh, whatever you were doing before this. Thank you, bro. Thank you, Thank man. Thank you so for much real. for having us. Mm -hmm. Anytime, man. It was such a pleasure, a real man. treat for me. To you. And I hope everybody enjoys this episode too. It was uh, quite a, quite different, and uh, and it was a lot of fun. I'm hoping everybody had fun listening to this, and um, 
hopefully my question, uh, my answers weren't as long as I ended up noticing right at the end of the episode. <laughs> we like long answers on this show. Nobody wants to hear me. Hell yeah. No. No, but you gotta listen to Indy too, sometimes. Sometimes. You gotta listen to Indy. <laughs> okay, any shout-outs you guys want to give before we hit the road? Yeah, sure, dudes. Um, I'll start by shouting out uh, the people at Nightfall, uh, Future Society, Montem, Gorespect, and... Um, you know everybody associated with those with those groups and the people at essential uh i think everybody collectively from those spaces helped me reach so much and do so much and i hope you guys go check them out um i'd like to uh shout out all of the people that have been working with me on this record uh fawn lavera nameless warning uh sola deluva uh, Renato Guerreiro, Bernardo Rebelo, also know, known as Shrouded Serenity, and uh, Thelma Pache, which is the, the 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 girl that does uh, most of the art the, the artwork for Tokyo Wonder. She did the artwork for this uh, next album. Mm. Um, and um, I hope you guys keep your eyes peeled for. Um, oh yeah, and I'd also like to shout out the people from Groove Horizons. Um, and uh, I hope you guys keep your eyes peeled for the the 25th and any new um, updates regarding the album because they are coming very soon and we're also revealing the album cover too. Nice. 25th. Oh, uh, 25, uh, 25. 25, 25. And uh, Joao? Uh, I'd like to thank everybody at Private Suite, man. You guys are doing a really sick work. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having us on the podcast. It really means a lot to us. No problem. And yeah, if you if you guys are listening to this uh, are around London at the 20th of July, we're going to be there. Come drink a beer with us and have nice. fun. Ta- yeah, that's going to be a fun night, man. Magical, magical night. London wandering. Oh, yeah. London wandering. There you go. You'll be at the end of the night. You'll be London wandering. That's for sure. <laughs> at the we end of the so. night, you'll be sick of all these horrible puns too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for real. This means a lot. Anytime. Anytime, guys. Stay well, and we'll talk again soon. Oh yeah, man. Stay well. All right, my guy. Papa bless. All right, guys. That was my conversation with Tokyo Wanderer. It was an incredible amount of fun. Nuno and Joao are the coolest. Definitely follow them on Twitter, Facebook. Check out their band camp because it's absolutely gorgeous. Check them out at the Future Funk show Groove Horizons coming up. And if you can't make it, there's going to be a video, like we said, so you can stay tuned for that. And they've been so kind to let us premiere the album versions of some of their songs on the new record, Incubus. One of the songs we played in the Essential Future Funk concert review back in March. I forget what episode that is, but you can you can find it if you search the webpage or any of your you know podcast apps, like whatever you use. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's called Hurt, and this is the long version of it. I talked about it a little bit. It has the incredible solo at the end. It's so good. And uh, the song after that is going to be is called heartbreak as always stay well everybody and thanks so much for listening we have a lot of exciting interviews coming up so stay tuned for those uh, should i tease a couple 
Yeah, let me tease a couple. What do we got? We got 3D Blast. I cannot wait to have Randy on the show. It's going to be freaking awesome. We got Mare. I talked about him a little bit coming up. I also mentioned Ducat. Uh, who else we got? Uh, Dan Mason. That's going to be freaking amazing. I cannot wait. And a very special presentation by someone that, well, I'll leave it to you to figure out. Thanks again, everybody. Take care. I'm